0: Today I'm talking about seven things that your parents didn't teach you about relationships, and these are the ones you want to be teaching your children. But first, I want to acknowledge today's podcast partner, which is Athletic Greens. A few months ago, I started taking AG1, and it has been a game changer in terms of my energy, sleep, and overall gut health, and I love the taste and simplicity of it. You can check out more at athleticgreens.com forward slash I-N-Y-S. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Welcome 2023. We are in resolution season and I want to know, do you set resolutions? Do you have goals written down? I often think of that quote that says a goal not written down is just a wish, but I want you to know something. I actually don't write down resolutions at the start of the year. This was a practice I started several years ago because I found that goals would set me up for failure, and it felt like one more thing that I had to tackle throughout the year, and it really just didn't feel like it was leading me into living more meaningfully and intentionally. So I actually set intentions at the start of the year. I remember one year where I was struggling to get my daughter to take a bottle, those, that those first months... I had the intention acceptance. She was teaching me acceptance, and that was what was going to be my focus for the year. The reason I like intentions is because in those moments where I feel overwhelmed, or I'm having a hard time making a decision, or just life just feels like too much, I'm not sure where I'm going, I can always go back to the intention, and that can ground me. So this year, my intention is the one word, enoughness. It's so easy to be looking outwards and to see what everybody else is doing. And my journey so far in the last year, more than a year, has been writing a book proposal, getting a book agent, getting the book deal with a publishing house, and writing the book and doing more, finding more. Perfectionism has really showed up in this process. And so 2023, I'm committing to enoughness this is enough. It will be enough. So I'd love to hear from you. Are you setting an intention? What does this year look like for you? And where do you want to focus? If you're looking to explore some intentions in your relationship, each year at this time, I release my year in review guide that you and your partner, or just you, if you would like, can go and sit down and reflect on how was 2022 for your relationship? And where do you want to go this year? I think this can be a really powerful exercise. I've got the link in the show notes. It's drtracyd.com forward slash year. All right, let's talk about the seven, the top seven things that your parents didn't teach you about relationships. I actually polled my community with this question several months ago, and your responses were so cool to read. First, they were really fascinating to see, just how much we don't learn how to show up in relationships. And then the other thing that came back to me were the lessons that I have been teaching you on Instagram, through the podcast, through my online programs. So it was really cool to see these come back. And I want us to deep dive into what these seven lessons are. And I think these are things that we be focusing on in terms of teaching the next generation, teaching our children what it means to build healthy communication, what it means to build a healthy relationship, and again, here's that word intentional, to get intentional with our partners. I want to stress this, particularly as we are at the beginning of the year, is that when you and your partner are on the same page, when you feel close and connected, you have the solid foundation. This is where you can then feel like you can tackle the world together. It's, you know, I love the analogy of a house because what you do when you have a solid foundation is you can do the renovations, you can renovate the bathroom, you can add another story, but if there are cracks in the foundation, everything in the house feels harder. The water's pouring in. It is just so much more difficult to navigate all of the things. So here are these seven things that we need to be focusing on. Okay, the first one is you and your partner are two separate people. You have separate and individual needs, wants, thoughts, feelings, and it is incredibly important to support your individuality As much as it is your togetherness. And so, one of the things I talk about here in Be Connected, my online program where I am teaching people how to develop the skills and tools to feel close and connected, is the difference between independence, codependency, and emotional fusion. I use those words interchangeably, and then also building healthy interdependence. Here is an example of what emotional fusion and codependency looks like. Your partner gets home, you've been home with the kids all day, and you see they're in a bad mood, and suddenly, your mood is impacted. Some other examples are you don't share your feelings and needs because you fear what they might say, or you let them make all the decisions for you. There is a loss of that individual identity. And what is really important here to remember is that in a healthy relationship, you and your partner get to have your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own wishes and values, and we are not aiming for sameness. And we can find comfort in actually viewing the world differently. And so what we are responsible for, and this is where we get tripped up on. And I answered this question in my membership at one point around interdependence, where a partner said, I'm not responsible for your feelings. And yes, while that is true, we don't make somebody feel something. What we are responsible for is how we communicate our internal experiences and also how we impact Other people. The things that we do, our actions, our words, we must acknowledge that while our intention might not be malicious, it could still hurt the other person. And this is the important piece around building both autonomy and building intimacy, the two key pieces for interdependence. And I cover this in depth in Be Connected and also my book that is coming out later this year. So we want to make sure that we are navigating that interdependent space and not getting stuck in overly dependent over independence. Okay, number two is that conflict happens, but so do repairs. And that security in our relationship comes from being able to repair and grow and move forward together. I want to normalize this here, that couples experience conflict. And I know a lot of people hold this myth that if we get into difficult experiences, if we fight, if we argue, then we must not be in a good relationship. And I do believe that part of this comes from this outward comparison that we do with other people, particularly in our time where social media is part of our day-to-day lives. We see the highlight reels. Nobody takes a picture of themselves after the couple's therapy session. People rarely talk about the conflict around the decision to have another child or the resentment that they feel in their relationship now that they have kids. When I asked my community, 86% of you said that you did not learn from your parents how to repair. Let's think about that for a moment. Repairing is about ensuring negativity doesn't take over your relationship. And so what that means is If one partner was short with the other, you come forward and say, oh, you know, I'm really sorry of how I spoke with you earlier, or being able to come back and say, I really missed this about you. And I'm sorry that I wasn't able to meet your need. Some kind of acknowledgement and taking responsibility for what happened. And when children see this, when children see you doing it in your relationship, they also learn how to repair And one of the things we talk about in our family, one of our values, is we talk about being the kind of person that repairs in the relationship. And so my husband and I say that back and forth together, and we also use that language with our children. If you're finding yourself getting stuck in negativity and not knowing how to repair, I've got the link in the show notes for my masterclass. I've heard from so many people how powerful and how helpful. Actually, one person told me they had two pages of notes after watching this masterclass. I walk you through why the repair is so important, what trips us up and gets in the way of repairing, and also my four A's to help you learn how to repair and also My top tip for you feeling close again after the fight. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code, it's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature-regulating technology which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year, and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft, and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to Cozy earth.com and use promo code shrink for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with cozy earth support for today's episode comes from loop earplugs for so long after having children I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me, and these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation I still hear Greg I can still hear the kids I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Now, 63% of you said that you didn't learn that it's okay to have different opinions. And this is at the base of what autonomy and separation looks like from our families. And so if you didn't learn this, then there could be some enmeshment and codependency in the family dynamics. And this is tricky, right? Because our jobs as, as children is to learn to say, I like, you know, I think of one example. I like these pants. It's okay if you don't like these pants. They're really comfortable for me and I want to wear them. And we need to model that for our kids. And we need to also model it in terms of our relationships. And so often people do not learn this. So this third piece here is that disagreements are okay, but disrespect is not two things can be true. You can disagree with someone and you can still respect them. It's interesting to reflect on how our relationships change over time, that at the beginning stages, those first six months, when you are in the limerence stage, that we view our partners as doing no wrong. We excuse the mistakes and the accidents or the times they didn't turn towards us. And yet over time, it like chips away at us and we stop having that. We stop holding that. And so I think something that is so important in our most important relationship is to continue to view our partners with that kindness and respect the same way that you would speak to a boss, a colleague, or a dear friend. And of course, you know, the example is if you say to your partner, oh gosh, like I'm just confused. Is this how you would speak to a colleague? And they say, yes. Then you say, and I am not your colleague, I am your partner, right? So it's like the flip side of, do you speak negatively like this to your colleague? Well, no, of course not. Or yes, I do. Then how are we going to show up in our relationship? Okay, number four is healthy relationships still have boundaries and that being able to say no doesn't mean that you are bad, that you are unlovable or that your needs are wrong in some way. When I polled the community, 75% of you said you did not learn what it means to have boundaries and still be in a loving relationship. If you're looking for more around setting boundaries in your family with your loved ones, I've got a recent episode in this season. Be sure to check out season two finale. But also check out episode three of this season where Greg and I talk about setting boundaries with our family. And we can do this with our partners as well. And boundaries are not meant to be demeaning or to dismiss our partners. This conversation came up in the community recently where someone said, I see your boundary statement and I get that it's assertive. And at the same time, I think my partner would hear it as demeaning. I can speak to the kids like this, but not to my partner. And this is really an interesting reflection because it's not demeaning if we're doing it with our children. We're setting healthy and loving boundaries with our children. We're turning to our child and saying, oh, love, I know you really want me to pick you up right now. And right now I've got the boiling pot of water in my hands and you'll have to wait until I'm done. I can't pick you up. And I know that is so hard. This is the loving boundary. This is what you need to happen to keep your child safe and then also to get done making that dinner. And then it's so interesting though that how when we flip that to saying that to our partners, It feels demeaning. And I want to challenge you on this because I believe the reason why this sounds demeaning or dismissive is because we haven't had this modeled to us in our earlier relationships. So it it sounds the same. Love, I know you need help finding keys. Keys was a hot topic recently on Instagram. I know you need help finding your keys and I've got to jump into a big work meeting and I hope you find them. And maybe later, if you want to talk about strategies of where we can start storing those keys so this doesn't happen again, I'd be happy to go into that. This is setting limits and boundaries in our relationships, because if we aren't doing that, then we are at risk of building resentment for continuously giving up parts of ourself and then trying to meet the needs of others when perhaps maybe we're not able to. Number five is it is your job to share your needs. Now, 86% of you said you did not learn that sharing your needs is your job. You didn't understand this. Nobody taught you this. And I think we learn a lot of important messages when we can reflect back on past experiences and relationships, not necessarily with our family, although our family plays a big role. These are early first experiences of self and other. This could be with your friends. This could be with teachers. You know, if you think of that one time in your friend group in grade five and you said, actually, I don't like purple pants. And then your friends excluded you from the group. In that moment, you sharing a wish and need, your opinions, your desires cost you something greatly. And There are so many different ways this shows up for people, which could be that someone minimized your needs, someone dismissed them, someone said, get over it, it's not a big deal, you're needing too much, you're asking for too much, or somebody neglected your needs altogether, you came home after a bad day, you were crying, you needed support, and nobody stopped doing what they were doing. And in these moments, these micro moments, these are messages to us, my needs don't matter. Or if you shared your needs and they are ridiculed, rejected, dismissed, then you learn, I shouldn't share my needs. And so what we do then so commonly is we turn into caregivers. We people please. We look outwards and we look after everybody else. And the important piece that we must remember is that we need to choose us. We need to share what our experience is, what we feel and need. Now, One of the most common questions I get inside Be Connected is, Dr. Tracy, I don't know what my needs are. I've gone through lesson one where I learned to identify my negative cycle. We see the cycle. We're stopping the cycle. We've learned what our triggers are. That's lesson two. And then lesson three, we're getting into what are those core primary emotions that are happening in your relationship? And then what are the needs underneath that? And this is the piece where we start building a deeper connection with our partners, Because we know if we're fighting about the dishes, the in-laws, sex, that's often the upstairs tip of the iceberg stuff, but there's a lot more downstairs and underneath the shoreline. And for many of us, we don't know what those needs are. And I start by encouraging people to just tune in moment to moment what's going on in your body. So for example, as I sit here, I can just check my body and I notice that I have a gurgle in my stomach. And if I look at the time, actually it's lunchtime and that's a need. Am I going to listen to it or am I going to get busy and keep replying to emails because I have such a long list and I have to do all the things, all the things. But every time I do that, I abandon myself and we want to start choosing ourselves. And by doing that, it means you sharing what it is that you need. Number six is that space and time away is not necessarily a bad thing. And that in any relationship, we need to nurture our own identity. I love teaching people that intimacy with yourself comes first before we can be intimate with other people. And when I pulled the community, 71% of you said you were not taught that being able to nurture your own identity is an important piece In the relationship, think of the last time that you went out for yourself, maybe a coffee shop, maybe you were walking the the shops down one of your favorite streets. And when you were doing that, was this time truly for you? Or did you start to make the list of what you need to do for the kids or the list of people to contact for work or the ideas list? Where was your mind during that time? Was it actually for you? This is something that Eve Rodsky talks about in her newest book, which is Unicorn Space. So find your unicorn space. Oh, I think this is so important because we really need this time to tap into our own creativity, something that fills us up. And the benefit of this is that when you feel filled up and you are connecting to yourself and to your values outside of your family and your relationship, you get to go home with that renewed energy and that opportunity to connect with your partner in a really different way. Let's tap into number seven. And number seven is again, this big permission piece, which is it's okay to express your emotions. Again, when I asked the community, 84% of you said, no, nobody okayed this for you. Nobody taught you that it was okay to do this. And one of the hardest pieces that we need to understand is that the more we suppress, the more we control or try to push away our feelings, the longer those emotions stay with us. So new research suggests that an emotional experience lasts for 90 seconds And yet, all of the things we do on top of it are what leads us to continue to struggle with the emotion, to feel the long-term effects of anxiety, or to be angry, or to feel that resentment because we're not listening to the core emotion that was there to begin with and riding the wave of the emotion. It can be quite a different experience when we can learn to show up and hold our emotions gently with curiosity instead of trying to dismiss or minimize them. Okay, we can connect this back to what's happened in earlier relationships. Again, if our caregivers, if significant others in our life were inconsistent in how they responded, and maybe they said like, oh, you're sad, there's no space for sadness, right? But oftentimes people don't say that, I don't want you to share your feelings. They say things more along the lines of, don't be sad, think of all the things that are happening next, or you have nothing to worry about, it'll be fine. This is a way of dismissing or minimizing your feelings or telling you that only positive feelings are good. And for many children, they get lots of attention for positive feelings. So I think there's this piece here in this conversation where we say all emotions are okay, but I think there's also something else that comes with this. And that is that we can validate someone's emotional experience And at the same time, it doesn't mean we have to accept the behavior that comes with the emotion. Now, I think this is a completely different conversation, but I want to state it here because it's okay to have your feelings and it's important to express them. And we also must do that in a respectful, collaborative, and co-creation in a co-creating way with our partners. And so if your partner is angry, we can validate anger. We can say, yes, I see you're angry. I know you're angry about what's happened. And at the same time, it doesn't make it okay to stomp around, to slam cupboards, to yell at you. That's the difference between what it means to be in a healthy relationship where we can express our emotions while also acknowledging that validation is the same, is different rather than approving of the behavior that comes along with an emotion. All right. As I wrap up, I want you to think about how you are showing up in your relationship today and whether you are practicing some of these. Are you practicing showing your children what these key pieces are? Can you today make the commitment that you're going to show your kids what it means to repair, to be the kind of person in your family that repairs with them? And I want to emphasize that these seven pieces all connect us to developing healthy interdependence in our relationships. And this is the foundation This is the core of my upcoming book that's being released this year. So if you are looking for more resources, you don't have to wait for the book to come out. These are all of the skills and tools that I teach inside Be Connected. And one of the most important things to me is having a program that is accessible to you, affordable to you. So you get to learn at home, on the go, on demand, when you need the lessons, when you're having the difficult spot in your relationship, you can jump into the lesson around how to communicate difficult feelings, how to get out of negative communication patterns, what you're doing to try to create more security in your relationship. And also the affordability piece is incredibly important. And it has been so powerful to see women and couples making meaningful changes in their relationships. Okay. I'm going to end here. Thank you so much for clicking play for taking me along in your day. I have a big ask. People find the podcast when people leave reviews. So can I ask you to pause just for a moment before we end out? And can you click the stars? Let me know what you appreciate about the podcast this season. And I can't wait to hear from you until next time. Take good care of you and I will see you next week. This podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in